so glad to be with you this morning. Uh, let's turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. As we see Paul speaking to the Ephesians about the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ is really the only hope for both the Jew and the Gentile. I'm sure most here this morning are a Gentile, and I'm sent to Thailand. There's not many Jews in Thailand, but there are Gentiles, okay? And so this is the hope for both the Gentile and the Jew alike. So let us read from Ephesians chapter 3, and I'll read aloud for your hearing verses 1 through 9. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, were, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make known, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Father, we come before you today and we ask that you would be exalted in all things today as we sang the song lord may you be exalted uh, in each one of our minds and our hearts as well as our bodies and our mouths as we sing praises to your holy name uh, as we pray to you who is alone uh, able to answer our prayer and as our uh, the preaching this morning May it glorify you and exalt you. May it abase man and put us in the proper posture to worship you in the way that you deserve. In Christ's name, amen. The Apostle Paul here, uh, writing to these Ephesians about this mystery of Christ, uh, we find him speaking a little bit about his ministry. And when we think about the Apostle Paul, uh, and mission work, we would probably say that the Apostle Paul uh, is probably the greatest missionary of all time. I forget which one of you brothers this morning mentioned the Apostle Paul and how he is, was one of the best preachers probably, one of the best ministers that this world uh, has potentially ever known. And he was a missionary, yes. and perhaps the greatest missionary of all time. If anyone could brag or boast about the accomplishments or, or the things that they have seen in their life on the mission field, it no doubt could be him. Um, if pictures of natives in bright clothing, or if 
exotic foods and uh, dramatic imaginative stories capture your attention, no doubt he had many that he could tell. Um, uh, we are reminded of some of the things that he mentions in places like 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I'll read a few verses here and try to summarize some others due to time. <clears throat> But in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, let's read the first, the first a few verses beginning in verse 21. He says, I, I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak, howbeit, who in, wherein soever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also, also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more, and labors more abundant, and stripes above measure, and prisons more frequent, and deaths oft. He says he's received of the Jews five times stripes, save one. Three times he's been beaten, verse 25, with rods, stone, shipwreck, uh, has been out in the depth of the ocean. Verse 26, he's uh, journeys often, and perils uh, of water, and perils of robber. Uh, robbers and perils of my own countrymen and perils of heathen and perils in the city and perils in the wilderness and perils in the sea and perils among false brethren. Verse 27, uh, that he has been uh, hung hungry, he has suffered uh, cold and nakedness. All these things he said he's done because he loves churches. Verse 28, besides those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily the care of all the churches. So he tells of things that if someone was to brag about in a fleshly way, he says, I could even though I'm not going to. Right. In uh, 1 Corinthians, we're reminded he already wrote to them in chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and, his, and uh, Him crucified. His desire was to make Christ known, not what He had went through in all of His journeys. In Philippians chapter 3, we have another list of things the Apostle Paul could brag about. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 4, though I, might all, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through faith 
uh, the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. The Apostle Paul counts all the things that the flesh could brag about as dung compared to knowing Christ, the excellency of Christ. Christ is the pearl yes. in the Apostle Paul's life. He is the treasure. Yes. At the end of Paul's life, he wants to win Christ. He wants to know more about Christ. And we said he may have known so much, maybe more than anyone else about Christ, and he still wants to know more. He still wants to know more about Christ. We see that the focus of the Apostle Paul's ministry was Christ. In Ephesians 3, in our text, we find the Apostle Paul speaking about his ministry. Now Paul was a Jew, and we just read in Philippians, he was a good Jew in the Jews' eyes. And in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, he speaks about his heart's desire was that his own people, his countrymen, the Jewish people, would be saved. Yet we find that regardless of the fact that the Jewish people was on his heart, Christ sent him to really a different group of people altogether. He was sent to the Gentiles to be a minister to the Gentiles, he says. And we find in our text that this did not make him upset. He did not feel angry. He didn't feel burdened about this. He wasn't like uh, we picture Jonah described to us in the book of Jonah where he was sent to do the work of the Lord. And finally, after much uh, prodding by God, he does it. And then he does it with a heart that really does not want the people, the Ninevites, to repent. He tells them the message that God told him to tell, and then he sits back and he waits, and he is very disappointed when the people obey God and repent. We find the Apostle Paul does not have this heart in the ministry at all. Even though his heart was for his own countrymen, he says that... Uh, <clears throat> That in verse 8, that preaching Gentile, to the Gentiles, it's a grace given to me. He finds it a joy that he is sent to the stinking Gentiles, as the Jews would call them. And think about them. In our text, what made the Apostle Paul such a good minister? What made him such a good missionary? We find a few things to make note of. First, we see that he says he is a God-made minister. In verse 7, he says, Wherefore I was made a minister according to the gift of grace, the, the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Uh, God made the Apostle Paul what he was. Anything good that came out of the Apostle Paul's ministry was not because of the greatness of Paul. It was because of God's work in him, making him uh, a, a minister. In 1 Corinthians 15.10, he says, By the grace of God I am what I am. 
And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundant, abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Secondly, we see in our text that he was a God-enabled minister. So he was a God-made minister and a God-equipped minister. In verse 8, he says unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's read verses 5 and 6. It says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. He is sufficient. He is able, verse 6 says, because of the grace of God working in him to enable him to do what God has called him to do. That's what uh, in, our, in our text he says that has made him the minister that he is. And thirdly, we see that he is a God-motivated minister, meaning that he is active, he is busy. He is doing the work that God has called him to. He is going to the Gentiles. He is preaching among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He says he is making this mystery known. He says this mystery was first revealed to me then I told you, verse 3 and 4, how, uh, verse 3, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words. So he's written to them evidently already about this mystery. He first knew about it and then he told them. This mystery, verse 4, is the mystery of Christ as it is called. What is this mystery? This mystery, verse 5 says, is now revealed. It is something that can be known. It is no longer a mystery. Verse 6 says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So this mystery has to do about some kind of good news. This good news that Christ came into this world was robed in flesh. And then he died a substitutionary death, a substitutionary atonement, not just for the Jewish national people, but for also Gentiles, for tribes from all over the world. This mystery is made known. He says it was made known uh, first to the apostles, and the prophets by the Spirit. And this morning, if you know what this mystery is, it has been revealed to you by the Spirit of God. Yes. 
It is no longer a mystery. It is great news. Verse 7 says, This is why I was made a minister to preach this mystery, to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ and th these riches that are found in the gospel are riches that can never be exhausted. These mysteries, this truth of Christ, exploring who Christ is and, and the revelation of God through His Word and by His Spirit are something that we will spend our lifetime studying. And you'll never reach the end of it. And that's I believe what we were we were reading about Paul saying that in in where we read in Philippians that that is my treasure yes. to get to the end and to fully know Him as I am known of Him. This I believe with all my heart the Scriptures show us and tell us what mission work is all about. Mission work is not building houses or church buildings, nor feeding or clothing or housing orphans, nor digging wells to provide water to villages, not dispensing medicine, although the missionary may do these things from time to time because there may be physical needs. There may be needs of the brethren that... Uh, require you to actually help with physical things like feeding and clothing and uh, church buildings and, and helping someone with a house or uh, I have a pharmacy background so I if I have medicine that can help someone why would I not give it to them okay but this may be involved in mission work but this is not the primary focus of mission work the missionary's primary job is to tell the mystery of Christ. And once we tell it, we're not done. <laughs> it is the unsearchable riches of Christ that we continue to teach and to tell, just like the Apostle Paul continued to tell them over and over. He wrote to them. He tells them again in this letter to the Ephesians. This is not an easy task as a missionary. The Great Commission is much bigger than standing on a street corner shouting and handing out tracts to people. It takes more time than a one-time door knock and maybe a follow-up. The Great Commission, and we'll talk about this more in the second hour, the Great Commission involves preaching the gospel, yes. But it also involves teaching them. And that first teach in Matthew 28 is, is the, if you do Greek search and word study, it means to make disciples, yes. to, show, to show them how they are to follow Christ. A disciple is a student of someone. We are to be students of our Savior, our Master. We're to follow Him in all that He does and says, His teaching. And as we are preaching the Gospel, we are to be showing them how to follow Him in His teaching. I tell the students, I say, if I preach the Gospel in your village, and then they see me not living the way the Gospel uh, 
should be lived out, then my message will mean nothing to them. So we are to, to teach them how to follow Christ. Those that are following Christ as his disciple, we see the fruits, like John the Baptist said, then we're to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But then we're still not done. We're to continue to teach them all the things to observe that Christ told us. This takes a lot more than just a quick door knock, as we've said. In Ephesus, Paul spent first three months, and then he came back, and they believe uh, he spent about two and a half to three years there. In Corinth, he spent 18 months. As he was there, he taught them, as Matthew 28 says, teaching them to follow Christ as a disciple but then to continue to teach them as he writes to them again in this letter. Uh, Paul taught them over and over and over this mystery of Christ. In many of his letters, he reminds uh, the ones he is writing to about these truths. In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, many times we, we know that as a gospel outline in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, but notice how it begins. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, he said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. You see, he's already preached it to them. Which also ye have received. So they are trusting it. They're believing in it. They've received it. But they're also standing firm in it. They have faith in the finished work of Christ that they understood through this gospel message. By which also you are saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you. Again, reminding them, I've preached it to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. And then he tells them the the outline of the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You see, the scriptures already told Paul the gospel. And he says, I've received it, and now I'm preaching to you the gospel, and you have received it. Why does he need to write it to them again in this letter to the Corinth church? (laughs) Because we need to be reminded over and over and over. In Hebrews chapter 5, we don't have uh, the time to go through all the context, but there were evidently some that he is writing to that... should have been further along in their understanding of the mystery of Christ and the gospel, the doctrine of God as it is called. Um, In Hebrews 5.12, he says, "For, for, uh, For when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not strong drink. 
He's taught them over and over. Others probably have taught these men over and over, and they are still not able to teach others. In the second hour, uh, we'll look at 2 Timothy 2.2, who said, that says you're to teach men who should be able to teach other men. And that goes on and on and on. Okay, And so they have been taught, but they are still not at the point to be able to teach anyone else. They're having to be taught again and again. And sometimes... Uh, the teachers here know this, that not everyone learns at the same pace, nor will get as deep as other students. You have to be patient with them, but at some point, you get a little frustrated when you've gone over something over and over and over, and it's not sticking. Okay? There's no ability to then go teach it to someone else. They don't know it well enough. Paul was frustrated with these in that he's writing to evidently in Hebrews. This great commission that it, and all it is involved involving, whether here in this location in this church or in a place like Thailand, takes a great commitment. That takes more than a few hours in a village on Sunday morning. It takes more than a few hours on Sunday morning in what county are we in? Oh, Oak County, okay. <laughs> to fulfill the Great Commission, it takes the life of the missionary, the life of the minister, the life of the people that make up the church. Now, this should not make us like Jonah. And, oh, got to do it. <laughs> okay, we've we just got to do it. We should have the heart like we see the Apostle Paul having in our text, where it is a joy. Yes, it is a joy. It is a high honor. And Romans twelve one says, "Is it not our reasonable service?" Say, well, I can't give my life. I've got a Monday night. I've got to do this with this group on Tuesday night. I have uh, whatever practice, football practice or soccer or whatever you call it here in the <laughs> Wednesday night we have church. Thursday night I've got band practice. Friday night I've got to take my wife out on a date. Saturday night I'm going to spend with the, with the kids or grandkids. And then Sunday, then it's church it's the lord's day and then started all over monday when do i have time to do anything else when do i have time to do what hebrews 12 1 says let's look at that hebrews 12 verse 1 wherefore seeing we also uh, that, let me find the... That, I'm in Hebrews still. Let me go to Romans. Like, that's not how it starts. <coughs> Romans 12.1 I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he goes on, don't be conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what 
what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Like, us being a living sacrifice, he uses the word body, meaning that, yeah, you're actually going to have to go physically and do something. Yes, yes. Okay? You're going to... In, in Thailand, there are... And I don't know if they've seen many pictures, maybe on Facebook or something, but there's these little... They look like dollhouses in front of every house, in front of every business. You go to the big city, you go to the Honda dealership. The Honda dealership will have this big-looking dollhouse thing. They're spirit houses. Every morning, they'll bring some kind of sacrifice. Many times, it's a drink or a cup of water or some bananas or some kind of food. In the more animistic cultures, like in the hill tribes, they may kill a chicken and do the blood on the altar and so forth. Okay? That's a sacrifice. It's dead. There's no life anymore in that sacrifice. So we are not to kill ourselves. No. For this kind of sacrifice, our bodies are to be a living, a continual living, giving our lives to His cause, sacrifice. Now, it says this is reasonable. Why is it so reasonable? He, Christ, gave His life as the sacrifice. His life was shed. His blood was shed on the altar of the cross. And there's no need for any more of that kind of blood sacrifice. It is finished. And he says, I bought you with a price. Therefore, glorify God. And he goes through the list. And one of those things in that list is not just with the mind and the soul and the spirit, but also with your body. Yes. To physically serve Him. Now this is reasonable for a missionary, for a pastor, but Romans 12.1 is not addressed to just no. pastors and no. missionaries. He says brethren. What is the plural for sister? And <laughs> I don't know what you say in Arkansas. Okay. Believers. Yes. Disciples. Yes. Disciple is not a super Christian. A disciple is a Christian. Yes. A Christian is a disciple. You cannot be a Christian if you are not following Christ. Right. And a disciple is a living sacrifice. And I'm so thankful this morning that I... Uh, that, that I can say with the Apostle Paul in our text that I am the least of all saints. I am glad to say this morning that I, I can say with him that by the grace of God I am what I am. And I hope you can say you are what you are because of the grace of God. Not because of Sin ruling in your life. That would be an awful sacrifice to bring. We are, as we looked at this morning, we are to repent of our sins. To get right with God as we come to worship Him. By the grace of God, we are what we are in that 
life of righteousness. I am glad to say that Christ called me and made me and equipped me to be what I am, who I am. Any ability that I have to preach or to teach here or in Thailand is not me, but Him that made me and equipped me. I can say with the Apostle Paul, I'm not sufficient of myself to think anything of myself, but my sufficiency is of God. He made me an able minister of the New Testament. Any ability I have is because there's grace in my life, and I'm thankful to be your missionary to the Gentiles in Thailand. I'm thankful for your support. I'm thankful for your prayers. And I'm humbled to think that who am I, as Paul says, who am I to be able to go into a nation such as Thailand and preach among the Thai Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. In verse 8, he says, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I'm not worthy, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful that churches like this church support the work there and allow me and other missionaries to be able to go into places like this. Like Thailand. In closing, the mystery of Christ, as we began with, we end with this, the mystery of Christ is the only hope for the lost and dying world, whether we are speaking of the Gentiles in Thailand or if we are speaking of the Gentiles, or maybe there's some Jews here in this, in this county, in Polk County. It is the only hope. It is the news that God has sent His Son to this earth to live a perfect, obedient life. We've talked about that already this morning as well, that He came to this earth. He did not come to... Uh, destroyed the law, he came to fulfill it. And he fully fulfilled it in obedience in his life. And he was obedient to the Father in his death on the cross, which was a substitutionary death. The, the, the place that I deserve to be in front of God's holy, just wrath and anger I deserve to be in front of that wrath, to take it on me, myself, because of my own sin for all eternity. That wrath was put on Christ. As my sin was put on Him, He paid for them all. To, we sang that song, uh, or some, maybe it was the special, to be reconciled, redeemed, redeemed to be bought with a price. He has reconciled us to the Father, fully paying for all the sins of all His people. And he died, and three days later He rose again for our justification. He was victorious over death. 
He is, was the dying Lamb of God, but now uh, John says he's the, he still sees Him as the Lamb of God on the throne. He's alive. And now He commands all men and women and children all over the world, every nation of people, He calls them to repent. To turn away from sin, to turn away from serving self, to turn away from ser serving any kind of idols you may have exalted in your life, in your mind, in your heart. You may give all your money to, or all your time to, or all your thoughts to, to turn away from those dead gods and turn to the living God and to look to Him and to Him alone and to trust in Christ alone that paid for your sin and be saved. This morning, are you trusting in the finished work of Christ on the cross? Do you know this mystery? Or is it still a mystery to you? I pray that the Lord, through His Holy Spirit, would open your spiritual eyes to see this mystery of Christ and that it would be no longer something that seems so mysterious and hard to understand but that it would be revealed and that you may cry out for mercy and find it in Christ in Christ alone. Right. Thanks. <laughs>